Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Stevel and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 28, The New Manliness. And before we get started, we're obligated to tell you that this podcast contemplates both mature <clears throat> and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas that we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. Take a hike. <laughs> All right. Beat it, Kook. All right. Good this morning. Episode, good morning. Yeah. What we were doing our vocal warm up exercises. Yeah, just before we started recording, there's something I've seen I've seen actors do it and they, they like loosens their lips up and stuff, but I don't remember what it was, so I just started making up random words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's also seven o'clock in the morning on the west coast and uh, i've just been awake for and not very awake for about 15 minutes so oh, i'm working hard to get my act together here this morning it's 10 o'clock here in the land of the rising sun <laughs> yeah that's what they call um, Massachusetts. That's what they call Massachusetts. It's the land of the rising sun. And uh, when I woke up this morning with wind chill, there was a degree outside. Just mm. just the one. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog and I had a a brisk morning constitutional. Yeah, that the constitutional was frozen before it hit the ground. That's true. His uh, little his little tinkles went tinkle 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 on the ice. Yeah, uh, I you know it's been. Uh, a long time since i've lived in cold weather this is my first winter and you know to see actual snow and stuff and i gotta say i'm, I'm not a fan i don't <laughs> like it <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't know i don't know how the the midwesterners and east coasters do it this is just i'm not built for this shit anymore oh yeah you get used to it you yeah. embrace it you love it i should we should also say that based on our release schedule this is going to come out in midsummer and people are going to be like <laughs> what <laughs> oh my god yeah we're really we're really good at this yeah <clears throat> excellent i don't know so what this, the release schedule is it's a one, like a couple times a month i guess yeah okay. twice a month but we record every week okay so we're not talking about any you know uh, uh n news timely news right uh, uh 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 jesus what news occurrences topic, uh, stories yeah yeah we're just talking yeah. about the topic at hand like um you know the 2016 election is coming up <laughs> soon <laughs> and i really wonder what's going to happen <laughs> uh, yeah exactly okay <clears throat> so all right this, this episode, episode is, about is about not using not your gender as an excuse for being a broken, toxic dickhead. 
Yeah. Also known as positive masculinity. Yeah, and what prompted what prompted this discussion was uh, a fellow named Carlos reached out, and we did sort of a round table with um, three three other fellows, just about how to put uh, how to present ourselves, just at least within the confines of the bicycle industry. Uh, how to how to not be a jerk, um, you know, because there there's such a culture of of broness and exclusivity, and I guess the reason we got looped into this is because we, uh, you know, in the few months that we've been doing this podcast, we have expressed ourselves in such a way that we we talk about our deficiencies. We wear our uh, insecurities or sensitivities on our sleeves. And really, if the bar is just, uh, it's just to not be an asshole and to own your trauma, and if that's, if that's how low the bar is, that, that we're actually like achieving something by just doing that, then, would it, then I, guess, I guess we have some work to do. Well, I mean, I I did a lot of thinking before we did the 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 meeting with those guys about, you know, what like what even is positive masculinity? And and uh in thinking and thinking and thinking about it, I mean, I don't think uh I don't think masculinity enters into it, right? I mean, I think the point is that um you don't you like uh, To attach character traits, positive or negative, to someone's gender is pretty dumb, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, we all uh, have this human experience that's bruising and joyous and um, gritty and gross. And, you know, like, if you're going to talk about, like, it's just honesty, right? Right. Wouldn't you say though that that because of the society in which we live, um, there are there are historically there are roles sort of yeah unquestioning for us. And when you're a guy, and I, I've had conversations with friends of mine, um, women, and and some some agree and some disagree that that as a you know as a a man in this. In this culture, we are also victims to some degree or another of, of the patriarchy. Um, I think if people our age and our gender weren't killing themselves in such an overwhelmingly degree, then I would say that, no, we're just part of the patriarchy. But we're not <laughs> right. allowed. I mean, it's like 73%, like white men between the ages of 38 and 51 or something or it's 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 an it's an epidemic but nobody's really talking about it but we're not encouraged i think in general none of us are really encouraged to seek therapy or to seek mental health support or to acknowledge that we're hurting or struggling or any of it it's Mm. just you know it's like we are inundated with movies and in the in the tough guys the and the the heroes and the heroines and 
you walk it off and you suck it up and you sack up and and even I've even had conversations with you know liquid death water like fuck it's water <laughs> you know like that's a, that's it's not responsible for it but it's a component of this conversation because you can't just quench your thirst you have to murder it <laughs> fucking please it's just absurd and so I think it it all is part of the the overarching conversation that we're you're supposed to you're supposed to war as a man you're supposed to war and if mm. you don't if you in and, and if you aren't in touch or or aren't uh, don't even acknowledge your emotional like spectrum for for all of its strengths and and air quote weaknesses which is just part of the human condition then then you then you go to battle like you i think that's part of the reason we're in such a pickle is that there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of hurt there's a lot of people not addressing just just fucking being people yeah I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I was trapped in that whole thing up to the point that I sought help for my depression. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, like I, I made a phone call. I called my doctor, actually, and I called the doctor's office and I was like, I need help for depression. And of course, then they, that like steers you down this um, phone script. Yeah. Like, a, an actual person was talking to me, but she was like, okay. Uh, we're happy to help you, but I have to ask you some questions first. And it was like a suicide right. assessment. <clears throat> um, but then uh, she was also like, do you think about hurting other people? And I was like, <laughs> I remember saying to her, this is Massachusetts. Like, does anyone not think about hurting other people here? <laughs> yeah. And, and thankfully she chuckled about that but but um that story aside I, I think up until that point i was really really fighting hard to do it on my own and i had been in so much pain for so long that actually even before i saw started seeing various people to dig me out of my hole Mm -hmm. just the asking for help uh, part was gave me such an overwhelming sense of relief that like, finally it was going to be, I was going to, someone was going to like take some of the shit off of my yeah, just shoulders. To, just to listen to you, the analogy that I've given, I remember at one point I was in couples therapy and I realized I had just been like drifting. Like I'd been in this endless ocean. I was okay. I was managing. I was treading water. But there was at one point when I, you know, I had some kind of a breakthrough. And then it was like, oh, now I see land. Like I'm not standing on it yet. I don't have it under my feet, but I, but I see it. It's within reach. And so I, now I have some direction to, to work towards. And that was a, that was a huge breakthrough for me you know to even and, and i think i think just honestly like a, a, a lot of people aren't even aware that they don't see land you know i mean right. it's fucking hard it's fucking hard to be a person and it's fucking hard to to manage and navigate relationships and navigate 
heartbreak and all of this stuff. And if you don't have somebody to, to, to help provide you the tools, you know, mm. but therapy is looked at like everybody looks at people in therapy, like, Oh, well, there's something fucking wrong with you. You know, that's mm. still the misconception. And I, I encourage friends to, to, I think everybody should be in therapy. I'm glad I am. Mm. Because I, and, and I even, Jesus, I don't remember who I was talking to. It was just the other night. They said, well, aren't, haven't, haven't we amassed enough, like the right set of tools to get to where we are right now? Like we're doing, I'm doing fine. And I said, yeah, you, you, you are, but you've only gotten the tools that you've been able to put together over the course of your journey. That doesn't mean that they're all the best tools. It just mm -hmm. means that you have. Yeah, we all have what we have. We can always use more. Just because you can bail fast enough to keep the boat from sinking <clears throat> doesn't mean that patching the hole wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. 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 And it's it's scary because you gotta <laughs> unload all of your shit, you know? And I think this is this is what prevent or keeps people from getting into therapy. A, because it's expensive. Um but B, you have to you have to get involved in some really uncomfortable conversations and you might spend an ex a, an inordinate amount of energy telling this stranger all your deepest darkest grief and then you're like fuck they suck like they like this isn't doing anything for me you know and then you have to find a new person and you have to start that process all over again the first time i ever got into therapy I was with a graduate student, so it wasn't anybody who was even like certified. She was just working on her thesis or whatever. And my first session, and this was like when I was in college or just after college, and it was with the encouragement of a housemate. And um, the first session, I was like, nope, this is garbage. Second session, I thought, okay, now I'm like, I see, like, now I kind of am grasping this concept, this process. And the third session, I was like, I wonder if I could sleep with her. <laughs> Shit. And then I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. You know, and it took a long time for me to, I was young. I was just, I didn't understand what I was supposed to be talking about. Hmm. Yeah, I was, I, I think I had been massively misinformed about all the mental health stuff for a long time. And then... It was like a, a combination of things. I started doing group therapy. I started doing Alcoholics Anonymous shit. Uh, but like I, I gravitated to the small groups where there was a lot more conversation. So I actually sort of got taught how to own up to my pain and also like sh share some of its sources and confess some of my sins and all of that stuff. And it just, you know, it's sort of like I did a real 180. Well, in doing um, that, you learn so much too, right? Oh yeah. Like it's not the, this person sitting in front of you, giving you the answers. You basically are leading yourself to your own conclusions. It's a really fascinating thing. Yeah. I think, I think look, a lot of this stuff, uh, focuses on the past and I think the past is like a usually highly inaccurate story we tell ourselves. 
in which we are either the hero or the victim and <laughs> or the or the villain or the villain right and um you know uh our memories are inaccurate the stories we've constructed are often self-serving in one way or another um you know like if you're an addict like i was you make yourself the villain in all these stories and so you justify the fact that you poison yourself all the time because you're a bad guy yeah you don't do and you don't deserve anything better anyway exactly yeah yeah you look at your the the way you're abusing yourself with substances of any kind you can get your hands on and you're like that's exactly what i deserve yeah this is this is this is consistent with the story i tell me about myself yeah yeah and And, you know that resonates the the stories that you tell you about yourself you can you are creating you are creating a a concrete narrative in your own brain you're you're making electrical connections in your brain to make that true you know it's kind of the adage of telling a lie a thousand times and it becomes the truth like you can make yourself believe that becomes a part of you and rewriting that story is a big part of i think is a big part of therapy i've been i've spent my whole life since i was young berating and i i fucking cringe because i go through say for example my instagram account and i look through old pictures and i've always been a big fan of captions like Mm. old skateboard magazines like captions i think are you can actually tell like a little story with a caption and every picture i think without exception every picture of my wife has a caption about how she's like this life preserver Mm. and what a fucked up pressure to put on somebody if she ever saw those i don't even know if she did but like i was always like yeah i'm this train wreck and she's my guiding light and fuck that fuck that it's just it, it breaks it breaks my heart that it didn't even occur to me but that's the narrative that i've been telling myself all these years yeah I think, you know, whatever story you tell yourself, it's going to, it's probably going to be inaccurate because it comes from a single perspective. If you think that it's got to be accurate because it's yours, it's you, you know what I mean? Like I was there, I saw it. That's how (laughs) it's impossible to not believe yourself. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's, it's. Well, I'm in the mode now of not believing myself. You know, I've had enough, uh, like AA sponsors and therapists and social workers hear my stories and then say or maybe you know that's how you know that maybe you're fucked up as they go (laughs) or maybe the guy was having a bad day and it had nothing to do with you and i'm like oh yeah that's an i guess that is an option (laughs) yeah what's Um, an unobjective perspective yours even though you were there and this was your experience and I'm not saying that your experience was inaccurate or one's experience is inaccurate because that's how they experienced it. But yeah. to have somebody else say exactly that, maybe it's, maybe it's not exactly how you saw it or how you remember it. It's a, that's right. an important component. That's an important aspect to keep in mind always for sure. Yeah. I I, I think it's super valuable 
to both assume that you're wrong about most things, but also not to feel bad about the fact that you're likely wrong about most things. Because yeah. you're a human, you are extremely limited <laughs> in, like, you don't even see the whole color spectrum for fuck's sake. You know, like, you, th you, you take in all of this information and you're like, oh, I know what's going on. You don't fucking know what's going on. You know, you're like peeking through a little hole in the fence and you're like, I see the whole world. You don't. You don't understand what's going on. You're probably wrong about a bunch of stuff. It's a really scary thing to admit. It's really hard, you know, and I, I, I would bet that, again, part of the reason that we're, we're in this state that we're in, it's, it's a, a fear of lack of control. You know, if you really okay. acknowledge how how out of control you are of your existence that's that's relenting to the whims of the universe and that is in a way freeing if you really just go with it uh right. who is this this woman i've i've referenced her before in episodes uh nita lipinski is a intuitive who i met in flagstaff a few years ago and sh the analogy she gave me, she was like, you were in a river, you were in just a fucking torrent and you are fighting desperately to swim upstream. And the harder you fight, the worse you're going to get beat up on the rocks. And if you just, if you just let go <clears throat> and let the current take you where the current's going to take you, I mean, you can guide it. You can guide your path. A little bit but just letting go is a huge part a very important part of this of this journey and and the same could be said for any of us because sure. you are you are relenting control uh, uh, over well, whatever the cosmos of the universe's plan or whatever right in That's, AA, they say surrender to win yeah it's 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 one of the it's one of the hardest and conversely, most organic things or processes I've ever been involved in. Yeah. I think, you know, since, since I asked for help, however long ago that was, and I kind of started unpicking the knots of my nonsense, I've got, like, over time, I've become really, like, I'm into it. Mm -hmm. I'm into getting better. I'm into having like better relationships. I'm into, you know, like you and I, when we first connected about this podcast, I think I called you and you were in, uh, or we were texting and you were like, I cannot text, must speak on phone. And we got on the phone and we talked about some heavy shit. And which I think to a lot of people would be like, Oh, so this was like your first conversation, actual real conversation that you've ever had with each other. Mm -hmm. And you immediately were into kind of the deepest, darkest stuff. But that's pretty normal for me. Like, I don't really have superficial relationships with people. Uh, I either want to talk about real stuff. And it doesn't have to be dark necessarily, but it, it like real stuff or I don't really want to talk to you at all. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's wasted. En- it's a lot of wasted energy. I don't. Small I just. Talk. I just like. I just prefer to like. I used to do this thing with an old boss of mine. I'd see him in the, in the morning, and I'd say, "How are you doing?" And he'd say, "Fine." And I'd say, "No, really. How are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. And almost every day, because I don't give a fuck about fine. Fine is what. Fine is whatever. I doesn't mean anything to me. And if we're gonna start having a day where we work together, I would actually like to know how you are. Yeah. Well, that you know that I mean? informs the kind of interaction that you're gonna have with that person too, and that's. That's pretty important. I love the, you know, like, how's it going? Well, do you want, like, the actual answer? Or do you want the cliff notes? Are you just being polite? Or do you really want to know how it's going? Because I can can sum it up pretty quickly either way. Like, it's great. Or I'm fucking terrified. And I'm not looking to you for help or or to to help me navigate this terror. I'm just letting you know that's... (laughs) That's where my head's at right now. If I reach out and hold your hand, don't be alarmed. I'd, I, I, yeah, fuck, I never remember what we covered in conversations that we're not recording versus conversations that we have recorded. But I do, I have at some point, a couple of times, said that owning my shit and making my shit public, it's, it's sort of akin to like walking into a crowded room with no clothes on, you know? It, and, and it by far, is the punkest shit I've ever done in my life because I don't, I care not what anyone's perspective or if anyone is going to take advantage of that or judge me for that, that says volumes more about them than it does me. And if anything, it's going to help somebody else, some one person, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm working on my own shit, but if through working on my own shit, somebody else gets a little help or a little boost or a little encouragement to begin that, to begin that trip themselves, then it's all fucking worth it. And so to get back to question one, why do you think we got invited into that conversation? I think it's because of this. And it's, again, you know, I was joking and saying, like, the bar can't be very high if if we're, like, <laughs> if we're the guiding principles or people are looking at us as some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, like, point of right. reference, I guess. I, I can't even think of the term, but it's, we're, we're owning our shit and we're working on it. And because men don't do that and we work in the bicycle industry and so it's this little bubble and we're just looking at you know how people have historically operated within this industry uh maybe we're doing some shit that other other people typically don't so i mean i guess that's why yeah i think that's right i have i have i have three things to say i'm gonna and i'm I'm sorry if I was looking at you blankly because I was trying to remember them all while you were making <laughs> your very good point. Kind of, I, I'm used to. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, eyes like glazed fucking donuts. Um, <laughs> the first thing is, you know, I require a little bit of room to make mistakes, learn 
the shit I don't know, etc. And in in specific regards to positive masculinity in the bicycle industry, I, I think if we all just make a little room for other people to figure out what how they want to ride bikes without like shitting on them or prescribing to them how they should do it or if you don't do it like this you're a kook or whatever if you just make fucking make room for people to get into the goddamn pool we can all have a nice little swim so that's one thing the um second thing is you talked about like uh you know that being vulnerable like that being the punkest thing you've done and i i'm glad you brought that up because we talk about music a lot and we talk about punk rock and i i define it very broadly i'm not just talking about the music made between like 1976 and 1982 or whatever i'm just saying like broadly what the thing that just wrecked my brain about punk and made it stick was that it's honest it is it's just honest right it was. I mean, again, if we look sure. at it, if you look at these these people doing this shit that was like abrasive and they were sort of flying in the face of social convention or whatever, like that to me, that's that was sort of the nucleus of it. And now it's just, you know, it's fucking hot topic and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Hello, I don't count tiny on that. Hello that's Kitty a, backpacks. and Yeah, that's a bunch of mall crap. Right. I love the mall for its crappiness, but that has nothing to do with punk. Right. Um, and the third thing I was going to say is that the last thing I want to do is hold myself out as an authority on positive masculinity or how to do all this stuff because yeah. I assume I'm wrong. So even as I go out into the world, like I was at a bike shop the other day, I was at Battle Road Bikes, which is just down from my house. And I was talking with Tammy, who is like my age. She's, she hasn't been in the bike industry that long, but she knows her shit. She, you know, she, she's a better wrench, certainly, than I am. Um, she's got a lot of experience, and we sort of talked through a bunch of this stuff, sort of randomly. Even in having that conversation with her, I'm sure I said some shit that was wrong. Because I, I, you know, I'm not fully evolved. Do you do you say that you're sh- you're sure that you said things that were wrong because because that's just ha- kind of how you operate or are you saying that because she made mention of of any of them? No, no, she did not. We she and I spent the whole time agreeing very hard together. But um you know, it's a process, right? Like I go and I have a conversation with her my attitude and my perspective isn't the finished article. It's changing all the time. Yeah. Okay. Right. Sure. Like a lot of the way that I talk about, um, say gender in cycling or, you know, um, what's wrong or what's right with cycling is informed by like what I think right now, which I hope is evolving all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. We have these conversations and evolves. I'll talk about it differently in 10 years time. Like that's fine. I talk about, you know, what things that I would have said 20 years ago in a bike shop, I would not say today. Right. I understand why some of the things I said back then might have been wrong. I don't yet understand how some of the things I might say today are wrong. That's okay. 
that's okay, I think, because we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, and and we we all it's all kind of all of our jobs to hold each other accountable and to operate with humility. You know, like you said, yeah. we're no authorities on any of this. I'm no authority on anything. <laughs> like yeah. that, I know definitively 100% how I like to drink my coffee and nobody <laughs> can tell me otherwise. Like I'm right. right on that. You know what I mean? Like authority. Yeah. yeah. This, this is kind of a moving target and I'm, and I, and I totally, I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, as long as, you know, we maintain that elasticity in our, in our brains and our social graces and, and be open to uh, constant influence, you know, and there might be some shit that we, that, you know, we're just like dumb, cis, straight, white, knuckle drag, mouth breathers. Um, <laughs> right. That's an accurate description. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My knuckles are all calloused from yeah. dragging on the ground. I hit mine with a cleaver yesterday. Of course you did. I did. Uh, I don't, I got into that description of us being cavemen and then I totally forgot what my point was, but shit, man, it was maybe going to be a good one. Well, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're caged by your perspective to a degree, right? Like we are who we are. We have been indoctrinated, uh, in a certain way, some of which we've had the foresight to, to unlearn. Right. Yeah. Like not a single day went by between like, I don't know, probably 1981 and 1989 that I was not called a homophobic slur and probably also called someone else a homophobic slur. Yeah. That's, that's the environment I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I always called it like there's like the hateful way of saying it. And then there's the fourth grade way of saying it. But it's right. all it's all unnecessary. That's, you know, yeah, I mean, help. I'm not I wasn't justifying it. I was just saying like it, it, it came out of my mouth. I was it was because I was a dumb eight year old. And it wasn't because I had any ill intent or ill will for gay people. Sure. But there's no defining that's that's there's no Right. There's no clear definition there. You can't say it doesn't come with a disclaimer that I said it because of this. And now I have to explain my perspective when it just right. doesn't need to be said at all. I just watched, I've been revisiting the, um, the love letters to skateboarding series that Vans put out and what it's 10 or 12 seasons or something before Jeff died. And one of the last episodes was the, was the love letters to to queer skateboarding. Mm. And there's just so much stuff in there that it's just so good. It just, I just love it. I love it. And Alyssa Streamer's conversation with Jeff underneath the Bay Bridge, it's just so good. It's so eloquent. Mm. And he's saying... Alyssa Streamer's not usually known for her eloquence, I don't think. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked with her. I've chatted with her. I know a lot of people who know her. Um, and it's just so cool. It was, it's just so cool. You know, it's so organic and it's so affirming. And Jeff was saying just that, like 
the way we spoke, it wasn't necess- It wasn't. It wasn't hateful. It was ignorant, certainly. Right. Um, but how would that make if I was uh, if I was in that group of people? If I was in a group of people and somebody was making off color statements like that, and I was gay, but my friends didn't know it, how would that make me yeah. feel? Right. So, like, yeah, man. I mean, a little bit of humility and a little bit of perspective goes a long way. And humility, obviously, lends to uh, being flexible about with your perspective and always being open to hear and learn. Yeah. So that's, well, I guess that's why we got invited. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, willing to talk about it and willing to be wrong about it are two. One of my, one of my female friends said to me after the thing, after the, the group chat that we had, they were like, so it was all dudes. There were no women there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I said, you know, that's, that's an absolutely fair point. And, and I thought about it in advance and I was like, well, if we include one woman, that's not cool. Uh, because now, you know, she has to completely represent the female perspective, right. uh, which is a lot to put on any. And, uh, so we could bring more women in, but actually, and this is kind of where I, I got to with it. I was like, you know, we can't put it all on other people to educate us about how we should, you know, being a decent human. Like, let's do a little work. Let's do a little work on our own. Let's have a little talk on our own about maybe how to pull our heads out of our asses. Well, ultimately, that's kind of the conclusion I came to as well. Yeah, um, it, I, I certainly like having a round table where we bring in a lot of people and have a conversation and cover all kinds of perspectives. Certainly. But this is, this is about, you know, this was sort of the seed uh, of conversation about, um, how we're trying to influence and how we're trying to be open and, and learn. And so, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it was just sort of, I did, yeah, that, that occurred to me and I, I kind of was, you know, at a pause about that, but I realized that in the context of what we were talking about it, it wouldn't really made sense. Yeah. It's worth saying also that Carlos, uh, had done the legwork on this thing. It wasn't for us to steer. Um, he really was the, the one that made it happen, which was a cool thing. I think we were both confused going in, like why, what is this? How is this? What? Yeah. And it was, it ended up being a really good conversation. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it inspired, this conversation, which might, when it's published uh, in the summer of 2024, uh, <laughs> might inspire some other conversations. So that's good. Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve. About three years ago, Shimano tapped me to join a group of people they were calling the Gravel Alliance. Essentially, this was a group of people who were going to ride and test the GRX gravel group. We're going to do races around the country and rides and have light influence on design and engineering and research and development tweaks that needed to be done before it went to market. Uh, On the surface, this was just an opportunity to ride bikes and to meet this amazing group of personalities 
and even to take a peek behind the curtain and learn a little bit more about Shimano as a company. Uh, but on the underneath, I learned more about myself and my own self-worth than I could have ever hoped for. Uh, the whole thing was really brilliant, and I understand that's not exactly what they had in mind when they asked me to sign on, but uh, that was a byproduct, and I will forever be in Shimano's debt because of it. You know what? I, it just occurred to me, we didn't do a music pick before we jumped in. No, I have. I, 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 I did notice that. I think wanna... actually now, having solved, completely solved this problem, <laughs> <laughs> as usual, we should do the music pick and the would you rather. Okay. Well, wait, no question two or three? We, did, we, did we actually answered question. We did answer those questions. We just didn't say the questions out loud. Yeah. Did you read the notes in advance? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I read them last night. Oh, yeah, night. yeah. We have gotten yeah. a lot of positive feedback from listeners for talking candidly about mental health struggles. Uh, in, uh, in some ways, it's just being honest. All it takes to be positively masculine. What does gender have to do with character traits? Um, yeah, I guess we kind of covered some of that. I think being honest is an important component. It's an important part of it. I don't know what gender has to do with character traits because, you, you know, it's like sociopaths come in all <laughs> genders, colors, and creeds. So right. I do, I, I was thinking about, like, I grew up, I really liked hanging out with my mom and, and like, if we would go to friend's house that you'd be, you know, like three or four couples. And I remember one, this wasn't a regularly occurring thing. Everybody kind of mixed, mixed it up and all hung out together. But sometimes like the guys would be whatever, somewhere else outside or in the garage or something. And then my mom and a couple other women would be sitting around the kitchen table. And I always felt really comfortable hanging out with the women. I always liked, I always had like a lot of female friends in high school. Same. Yeah. Same. Um, and uh still I, I i have a lot of female friends i i don't have designs on you know having relationships with them or sleeping with them or anything it just there's something about i think women have a have a greater emotional intelligence that i've always been really struck by mm. um they can be and again i'm generalizing here but in my experience they're super strong they're super strong-willed they're super driven. Um, they don't take any shit, but they have absolutely no problem being a human, nurturing, sensitive, kind, you know? And so that was something that I, that was something that I was attracted to from a really young age. So I think it's, you know, I have a lot of female friends too. I have a lot of male friends. And one difference that I notice is that uh, in a positive way, my female friends never hesitate to call me out on on my shit. You know, like if I say something that's not, not, not really right, they're like, yeah. did you just say so-and-so? What the fuck was that? Like in the moment, and I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, those words just came out of my mouth. Huh. Whereas my male friends are like, you know, they they will give me a pass, yeah. Um, which you know is is nice and it's relaxing, but uh, I do appreciate uh, some corrective notes also. Yeah. Okay. That's good. See, 
And what's three? Would you rather? Oh, that's the number three is the would you rather. Do you want to do music pick or would you rather? Uh, yeah, let's do music pick. What do you got? Uh, you know, um, my music pick this week, I, I have been listening. You know how it is when you listen to one record over and over and over and over yeah. and over yeah. and over and over. I've been listening to the Torch record, Admission, mm. over and over and over and over and over. And I, I can't get enough. Oh, it's so good when you just have this like insatiable hunger, you know, and you, you, I, I get into kicks with still like there's like three or four bands that I'll get into kicks and it's all I can listen to. And then mm. I'm satiated. And then I don't listen to it again for a long time. And then mm. periodically I'll circle back around. But even if you have that experience or that relationship with, with a record, it's really fun where you're just, it's, you're just listening to it on repeat. And it's almost, it, it's almost like hearing it for the first time, every time you listen to it, it checks all those boxes and it makes all your synapses do the same thing and mm. adrenaline spikes and stuff. That's really fun. I've get yeah. I've listened to them a little bit, but I just nothing. It never clicked. I've got I've got a bunch of torch in my collection. I just gotta give yeah. them another try. I guess I would say I casually really liked them <clears throat> for a, a bunch of years, and then I don't know. The song "Admission" has this amazing kind of eight heavy eighties vibe. I can't explain it. Uh, you should listen to it when we okay. when we stop doing this, uh, and then text me to say you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, I was I just heard it a few weeks ago. I put it on walking the dog, and I had and it was like one of those things where you got like music in your headphones, and it hits you like a ton of bricks. You know, you're just like, oh, this is so g good. Mm. Like all of a sudden, it just was like bang. Okay. And now I can't stop. And I was, I've been, uh, like last night when I was hitting myself with a cleaver accidentally, um, I don't use a cleaver very often, which is probably why I hit myself with it. But, but when you do, you hit yourself with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I was cooking dinner and, um, I put the record on and my, even my wife came in and was like, what is this? This is really good. I was like, what the, f what's happening? Oh, okay. Well, I'll give it another go, just just based on this conversation. All right. I, I, are they from Florida? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, they're from Miami. So Torch uh, is Steve. I forget his last name from Floor, and they are all both like Floor and Torch are both known for what's called the bomb note. Mm. And basically, they detune completely the top string of the bass and the guitar. And so they play on the lower strings, and then occasionally there's this sound. This just incredible, it's like, an, like they've set off an explosion, and it's the bomb note. So here's another point. I was talking to my friend Joe and Jordan, and they're both really good guitarists. Mm. And we were talking about metal. Like, they're both kind of metal scholars, these two. And they were talking about all of these components in music in, or these, these, these pieces of these different songs and stuff. And, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm like a 
layman. I don't, not being a musician, I know how much I love music, but I realize listening to them and you talking about this, how much of it I'm missing not being a musician. You know, you hear it in a totally different way. I don't know. I mean, some, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, you know, I have played music. I'm, I have no musical talent. I enjoy playing, but I'm not, I really am not good at it, which is why I do think of it analytically, which in a way I think cheapens it. It's kind of like if you, if you're looking at, uh, a painting and you're like, Oh, look at these brush strokes. No, look at the picture, like feel the thing. In some ways, I think it cheapens it to analyze it. So I think like there's something beautiful. I used to, I was in a band with a guy and he was a very intuitive musician. Like he, he couldn't read, he didn't understand any theory. He didn't understand anything, but he would write these melody lines and he would say, oh, I should learn the scales. And I said, no, no, definitely do not learn anything. You're killing it. Yeah. It's only going to fuck your head up. I talked to, there's a guy, the bar that I've been working in here in town, uh, the guy who owns it is a musician and we watched, we were, I was over at his house, I guess on Christmas and we watched this, there's a guy on YouTube who's a music theorist mm. and a really accomplished musician and he broke down like a bunch of Nirvana songs and how just naturally gifted Kurt Cobain was with mm -hmm. all of these these song structures and all of this stuff that are really, really super complex, you know, and it was kind of fun listening to this guy talk and also talking with my friend Christian about it, because again, you know, it's just, it sounds like a cool hook. Like, I like that part. I like that <laughs> right, drum right, fill right. or whatever, you know, but not being a musician, I'm not, I'm not hearing it, but it was interesting getting, you know, a similar perspective on on this guy who, you know, but everybody just kind of assumed was this, this, uh, random, randomly occurring success. But it turns out he was just a naturally gifted and act like yeah. a, like a, like a, uh, what are the people who are just naturally talented called? Prodigies. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a, he's like, like a punk rock prodigy. Yeah. Huh. Well, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> good for goddamn talent dopers i wonder um, i wonder if i will ever find the thing that i'm a prodigy in you know when i was a kid i used <laughs> to think like i'm gonna find the thing i remember going bowling one time it was like the first time i went bowling and i was like what if i bowl only strikes what if uh this is my thing yeah and then and then uh, obviously bowling wasn't my thing because otherwise I'd have been on like Sunday morning television wearing one of those gloves, which would have been awesome. And making a ton of money. People don't realize like the top bowlers are just killing it and such filthy rich, such dorks, but yeah. so rad. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, I remember like everything I tried knew I'd be like, Oh, maybe this is the thing I'm going to be magically good at. Oh, you just hit, you just hit that guy sitting by the dartboard with a dart. This isn't the thing yes, either. This is, isn't it. No. Shit. Yeah. Maybe some of us are just destined for average. Average. Yeah. Years. I hope I get to average at some stuff. Um, what's your music pick for the week? Uh, I've been listening to uh, a bit of Mondo Generator uh, this week. It is... Oh. Nick Oliveri, uh, formerly, uh, he was in Caius, 
Uh, he was in mm. Queens of the Stone Age for a little bit. He was also known as Rex Everything, which I think is one of the coolest punk rock <laughs> names ever. Uh-huh. Um, and he's long been in the Dwarves. Uh, and he had his own band called, I, I guess, I mean, he's he just played in, uh, the Dwarves played in Portland a week or two ago, and he was playing with them. Um, but yeah, his band Mondo Generator, I think is a, it's a perfect, like it's a perfect dirgy punk metal. He's got a great voice. He's an amazing bass player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's like hooky and it's thick. Mm-hmm. It's catchy. They're like great pop sludge, sludge pop. I don't know. I don't right. know how you'd explain it, but. That's how Floor, when I first heard Floor, I was like, what the fuck is this? And someone was like, oh, this is sludge pop. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. I, I didn't even know that that was a genre. I thought yeah. maybe, I, maybe I just made that up, but it's a good, Thick. it's a good, it's an apt descriptor. Right. It's this super heavy music that has hooks. Yeah. Yeah. I did some, I'm a, I'm a sucker for anything with hooks. My, I, that, the housemate who I used to live with, who, uh, encouraged first encouraged me to get into therapy she had a huge record collection and i had a huge record collection and she turned me on to so much good stuff over the years but i remember at one point she told me i didn't she said you know, you just don't like anything that you can't sing along with and i think about that every time i hear something new like like grindcore or black metal mm. i just i don't like it i don't like it i mean it's brutal yeah. And it's heavy and it's, yeah. it's thick and it's dark and it's scary. And uh, uh, sonically it's, it's interesting, but it just, it, but then you put, they put cookie monster on vocals and you know, there's no hook. There's yeah. no melody. It's just, yeah. yeah, you know, like what, what? Yeah. And I just can't, I just can't sink my teeth into it, you know? And no, so same, every time the same I, issue. it's I, like anything I gotta have, I gotta have something I can sing along to not being a musician. Yeah. Again, the one thing I can relate to is vocals. Yeah. So that's the thing that I gravitate towards anyway. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Mondo Generator and Torch are this week's music picks here on... Oh, those guys are going to get so rich now. Revolting. <laughs> uh, and question question three, this is a good one. I love, And also, I should say, I really appreciate... Uh, well, back up. The last episode that we published uh, was about following your friends to do stupid things. Uh, yep. Episode 14 or 15 or something. And I got the text from you with the link and I was having dinner at my parents' house with them. And so I set the phone down and we listened to the episode and it was the one where I was discussing getting arrested for being drunk and bolder. And you were climbing up on this beacon and jumping off, Yeah, you know, avoiding threading the needle between all these pieces of jagged metal and your yep. way into the water. And I didn't know what the episode was about, so I was kind of listening to it through, you know, kind of like with my head in my hands. But yeah. my mom said, she said, he's really good at asking questions. And I realized then that I, you know, I think the analogy I gave, I can't bring up anything I just out of the blue. But if you say, hey, so let's talk about shoelaces, I'll talk about shoelaces endlessly. But I can't come up, if I came up with shoelaces as a topic, like I wouldn't have anything to, 
say about it. It's it's just the weirdest thing, but I I just want to say I appreciate all of the effort that you put in to oh. coming up with questions, sort of driving the conversation. I think it's an invaluable component of what we do because I just sit here and jibber jabber about whatever <laughs> you tell me to. <laughs> yeah, you're you're great. You're like that. Th- I just pull the string on you and let it go, and you just <laughs> so, so boring. Just put a blow, fucking blow hard. Uh, so, question three: The would you rather? Uh, yeah. Would you rather have super sensitive taste, like in your mouth, not like in clothing? No, obviously. no, no, in your mouth. I have super sensitive taste, and I only wear Prada. No, no, no. So sensitive that you could taste things in the air or super sensitive hearing. So you could hear what people are saying even from a hundred yards away. So you have like super spy, uh, like spy gun level hearing. Yeah. Or you can taste if somebody, somebody farts in the next building, you're like, Ooh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. You're walking through the grocery store and you're like, Oh, Grandma fart. I smell, I taste too, a grandma fart. Too much. Somebody talked about LaCroix soda water and they said, they said that the grapefruit, I think something like the grapefruit tastes like if you were in a room and then someone in the other room cut into a grapefruit, like you can barely taste it. It's almost there. Yeah. That's what made me think of that. I'd probably go with super hearing. You know, I thought about that. I thought, like, is this one too obvious, right? Because I don't want to taste people's farts. Let's just cut straight to the chase on the first option. I don't want to taste people's farts. We should just edit out the entire conversation up until this point, and then today's episode will just be that. Episode 28, I don't want to taste your farts. (laughs) Thank you, and good night. (laughs) And good night. Um, But then I thought, like, if you had the super sensitive hearing and this, maybe this says something about my, my self-esteem or lack thereof, but I was like, I'm afraid if I can hear like people's little side conversations, what I'm going to hear, not all the time, but probably some of the time is like, that guy is a douche. Yeah. You know him? Like, don't, yeah. I, you know, like, I, I just feel like. A lot of what people say, I really don't want to hear. Are you, can you, do you have the ability to, to zero in on specific conversations or are you just hearing this cacophony of chatter from it's, everywhere all the time? Because that it's would a drive bit of a you cacophony. That would drive you fucking mad. But because your t- sense of taste and your sense of smell is all kind of tied in and you would yeah. be tasting everything dust you know let last yeah. night's the aroma from last night's dinner or whatever um yeah. and you can't control that at least like you could put headphones in or listen to music or earplugs if you wanted to turn down the noise but if you were hearing everything that was happening around you all the time yeah it, it, it would drive rough. you totally nuts so the upside on the taste one though is if you went to like a really good restaurant even a not very good restaurant. I just think food would be. Imagine it like if your taste buds were turned up to eleven, you would enjoy food so much more. I think that that would be pretty great. But actually, you know what inspired this um, question? I was I forget what I had for dinner, but I was driving <laughs> driving my youngest son, who's about to be fifteen. I was driving him to some something, 
and I, I burped and it was bad. And he was like, he was in the car and he had headphones in cause he never talks to me. <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden he takes his headphones out and he's like, did you fart? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, technically no, uh. <laughs> but it was pretty atrocious. I felt bad about myself. Yeah. I felt bad about myself. I felt well, shame. Think about how bad the inside of a stomach smells. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, I remember the first time my dad burped. We, we were, like, cutting wood or something, and he'd always <laughs> drink beer when he cut wood, and, and he burped, and he'd eat a peanut butter 70s, sandwich. Of course he did. Yeah. Yeah, so we're eating, he ate beer, or he drank beer, and he ate a peanut butter sandwich, and he burped, and I was, like, in the range of that, and I was just... I was shocked. I was probably, you know, nine or 10. I was just, it just put me on my fucking heels. Like, what was that? And then I realized, like, <laughs> that was my lesson at weaponizing my own body. Like, I knew <laughs> I turned that on to the, some of the more unfortunate kids on the school bus. So anyway, well, yeah, then, I would you definitely. Know, this is the thing. I'm not against like fumigating my children. Like I wake <laughs> them up for school every morning at like at seven thirty, and if I have to break wind at that time of day, I am absolutely going to do that near their head if I can. Uh, so I'm not against that. But when I burped, when I belched, and yeah. it was that ripe, I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is this." I I'm even grossing myself out. Yeah. So then I, then I wrapped the whole, would you rather? Yeah. Well, that's a good one. I, I think I'd go with, I think I'd go with hearing because I could control that to, to whatever, or, or, you know, uh, 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 govern that to some degree or another. So yeah, I'd go with hearing you still sticking with taste. I think I'm going to go, Oh, that's a tough one. It is a real tough one. I'll go with taste because you went with hearing. Okay. Just because. Some weird superpowers we've got that uh, that can better the world in absolutely no ways at all. I had written, I should tell you, I shouldn't tell you, but I'm going to. Um, I had written a different would you rather for this one. And then because we were talking about positive masculinity, I deleted it. And the would you rather that I had written was, would you rather have a Tasmanian devil neck tattoo or a ruler tattooed on your penis. Ugh. Okay. And then we I was like, are we really going to talk about dick tattoos on a, in, on the episode about <laughs> positive masculinity? We can attack That's... that one uh, next week. Yeah. Good, good. It's good food for thought though. And uh, now I look at this, I realized after listening to last episode, the last episode, it was about five minutes too long because we were just having a hard time landing the plane. So I'm going to take control oh, of this at one it. hour and 27 seconds uh, with a Tasmanian or ruler tattoo fresh in my mind. Thank you for that. Uh, thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like us to pontificate on, please email me at uh, stevel at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent, please share it with a friend, like a good book or an STD. Sorry.
Uh, well, thank you again. <laughs> thanks for every, thanks to everybody for tu- continuing to tune in. I think we're, yep. we're getting better and, um, and it's really fun. And I think we're learning a lot and hopefully you all are as well. So, uh, with that, I am Steve. I'm robot. This has been revolting. Bye. Yeah.